Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. Today I have my good friend, a good mentor, a good person, Rob Cressy, the owner, founder, creative soul of Bacon Sports. Rob joins me, Uh, him and I have known each other for many, many years. He's actually the person that helped me discover what podcasting is and how to utilize it and why it's so much gosh darn fun. So Rob comes on to talk about his journey into, through, and with Bacon Sports. It's so much fun. Um, I've been close to the Bacon Sports team. I've been on it for the last few years and helping in, in, in certain capacities. And it's just really incredible. His creative ideas, what he does, and, and how he's been able to build this company. And he explains it very, very well, pretty much from the ground up, from the foundation of it, starting to just be a publishing company. Hey, we like writing articles. Oh, wait, you know, let's uh, let's start creating podcasts because that's fun. Oh, we can create videos too. And now what he's turned it into and what he's planning on turning it into, taking it to the moon, it's, it's incredible. So I hope everybody out there enjoys this conversation with myself and Rob. That's fantastic, and I love it. Today, I have my good friend, mentor, um, confidant, Rob Cressy on to talk a little bit about bacon sports. Thanks for hanging out with me, Rob. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Super excited to be jamming with you. Should be a blast. I mean, we do this all the time, right? So now we're pretty much just recording it. A little bit more, I guess, uh, a little less structure, actually, this probably time around, but it it should be fun. Um, So, Rob, uh, obviously, I love bacon sports. We have some, some pretty cool history there. We'll get into that. But the first question I always like asking everybody is, where does your love of sports come from? My love of sports is actually very simple, and I can, can bring it down to two cities, Pittsburgh and Chicago. I was raised in Pittsburgh, um, and because of that, I got my first taste of a championship with the Mario Lemieux, Yammer Yager, Pittsburgh Penguins, which went back-to-back. At the time, I was 11 and 12 years old then. At the same time, my mom's side of the family is from Chicago. So every year we used to come to Chicago for Christmas, like clockwork. Also in Pittsburgh, we do not have a basketball team. And basketball was my favorite sport to play growing up. And if you're an 80s child, there is one player that everybody loves, Michael Jordan. Oh, that guy. That's who you're talking about. Okay. And guess who wanted to be like Mike? This guy. I would play basketball with my tongue hanging out. Uh, I remember my first pair of Air Jordan shoes. Like I wanted everything Michael Jordan. So then I started to get exposed to championships because the Bulls went back to back to back Tom Amansky style. And then they went back to back to back Tom Amansky style again. And here is a little known nugget about my sports fandom. So when I graduated high school at the time, I don't remember if this was number two or number three for the Chicago Bulls, but I ended up not going to party with my friends the night of graduation because the Bulls were playing the Suns in the NBA Finals, and I wanted to watch the game at home as opposed to go over to some cliff and drink and smoke. (laughs) 
That is too funny. Oh man, that that is uh that is dedication to say the least, especially in high school graduating. Like that's yeah, man, that's normally what most people would do or right around that time. I mean, obviously with everything going nuts and hey, that's that's some dedication, man. And and I'll have to give that to you cuz honestly when my team is in a huge game, I don't want to really watch it with anybody else. I kind of want to like just be a little ball of misery and stress all by myself. I feel like I work better that way. I would I would also like to add that I grew up in a very conservative Christian family, so there was probably one element of that where my parents didn't want me to go party with my friends, and I was raised a certain way. So even though we did shenanigans like high school kids would do, drinking MGD and rolling rock and <laughs> doing all dumb stuff like that, by no means was I pure, but at the same time, I had more purity around me than most. So that also probably contributed to it. That might've helped a little bit. That's, that's some good information as well. And, th- and that's a great story. I mean, that's, I feel like most kids growing up, you're always going to be attracted to winning, right? Cause winning's fun. Like it doesn't matter. You, you look at now, like how many kids are golden state warriors fans, you know, look at, you know, your generation, how many bulls fans there are. I mean, my cousin, is from New Jersey and he just likes the Bulls because Michael Jordan was incredible and they won a lot. So he's just a big Bulls fan, right? So it's really interesting how, you know, whoever's winning at that time, those are the, the kids are usually attracted to those teams. 100%. And if you look at it, being from Pittsburgh, I'm a Steelers fan. So how did the Steelers fan base grow so much? Well, in the 70s, the Steelers won a crap ton of Super Bowls. So by design, people who lived in cities that didn't have teams or you're a transplant and you're like, and I want to root for this. Hey, I like Terry Bradshaw and mean Joe green and things like that. So the same thing happens. I've got a golden state warriors hat right now. One, I like hats, but two, I liked watching Steph and clay and Draymond play. And I like Steve Kerr because like, that's awesome to watch. And the way that marketing and branding and sports and fandom has evolved I think that we're seeing a seismic shift right now on a lack of loyalty to the team level because not all teams are created equal when it comes to ownership. And that is the key to all of this. Not every team is going to do what it can to try and put a winning product on the field. So why would I give a crap to pay attention to the Pittsburgh Pirates when I could pay attention to Steph Curry and the Warriors instead? Exactly. Like, it's just a conscious choice. You'd be like, oh, that's dumb. Why would I do that? Well, yeah, it's it's definitely, I think basketball more so than any other sport, I think you're going to see that the most in. It's more player oriented because I don't care about a basketball team. I just like watching LeBron play. Like I couldn't care less. It doesn't matter what team he's on. I'm going to hope that he wins at some point. So it's really great that you say that and you, you bring up a really good point. I mean, why not? Everybody, I'd rather, like I'm a big Mets fan. You know that. But I watch the Yankees all the time because they're a competent organization that plays good baseball. Now, I watch them and hope that they lose, but I do enjoy what they do and the on-field product that they have. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm a student in the game of excellence. So it's why with all the Kobe stuff right now, it's got my juices flowing in a positive way because of the Mamba mentality and the way that he strived for excellence. So I can appreciate greatness in anyone without me being a fan of LeBron James. I'm a fan of LeBron James. Exactly. And, and same, same concept. And yeah, I mean, obviously the Kobe stuff is awful. Um, you know, I've seen some, th- some of the things that you've been uh, doing to honor him more than anything. And I think it's awesome. And it's just everybody on the internet right now and what they're doing, I think is, um, you know, Hey, that's really all we can ask for. We can, 
we can mourn obviously as you should, but you also should honor and, and you should respect and, and, you know, do what you can do to keep that Mamba mentality, as you said. Yeah. Quick side note here. So sometimes I daydream about what my funeral is going to look like. Hmm. And I say this in the best way possible because I've already thought about the playlist that's going to be there. I've already thought about sort of the surprise and delight that I'm going to do. Like imagine hypothetically speaking, if and when I die 120 years from now, that I've got it set up so that like all of a sudden uh, the waiters come by and like give everybody a beer and everyone's like, whoa, what's going on? And then all of a sudden it's like, regulators, mount up. And they're like, Rob's <laughs> final wish is that he wanted this to be a celebration and a party. So the taps are open and we've got a playlist here of regulators and Black Street No Diggity and California Love. And oh. all of this sublime, and all of a sudden it's like, boom, Rob's final goodbye is a freaking party, because quite frankly, that's what I do want. That's what all, um, you know, obviously, especially when it's, it's, it's one thing, obviously, with Kobe and it being very tragic and unfortunate and way too early. But yeah, if it's your time, like why, you know, it's sad, but at the same time, yeah, hell yeah, let's have a party and enjoy it. Um, so I like that. That's pretty cool. Maybe I'll start a... a I'll, I mean, I like visualizing. Maybe I don't want to visualize about my funeral too much, but I, I might be able to add that into the uh, into the repertoire. <laughs> I like it. Good stuff, man. And this is actually a very great segue. So um, thank you for explaining your love of sports and that little, little back and forth we had. But I know that there's an incre- incredibly um, important story to you and your life and how you started on this journey a little bit more. And that kind of, in, you almost died or you were kind of, dead for a few seconds. I mean, I know I've heard this story. I've read it. You post about it every single year when it happens, but I wouldn't mind if you uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, what happened that day and how it's really shaped your life moving forward. Yeah. It's interesting because I've never talked about this to someone. It's always been like me sharing the story. So this is a few years ago. Don't remember how many years, just a few years ago. And I'm athletic. So I've run races. I've worked out four to five days a week for the last 13 or 14 years. Um, because of this, I've done half marathons. I've done urban athlons. I've, I've done a lot because I'm a competitor and I like to have fun, but I'm not trying to like win first place or yeah. anything. So uh, for Christmas, like my wife's a runner. She's run a bunch of different marathons. Shout out to Mrs. Bacon. And for Christmas, I ended up giving her I'll run a marathon with you because she like wanted me to do it. So I'm mm-hmm. like, how can I kill two birds with one stone? I'm like, boom, I'll give it to her as a gift for Christmas. Nice. Great idea. So she's like, sweet. So we ended up choosing the DC marathon. Uh, my sister is an extremely accomplished marathon runner. Like uh, she's not winning races, but she's like running around the world. So shout out to my sister, Lindsay. Do we so call her sister bacon by any chance? Sister bacon. I love it. So She's running it, Mrs. Bacon's running it, and I'm running it. So we train for the marathon in Chicago. And my goal at the time is to break four hours. And back in the day when this was going on, I was very goal-oriented. And for me, you get under four hours, it's a good marathon time. And I was only planning on running one marathon. So what happened moving forward does not change the future course of anything. It was, here's my gift to my wife. I'm going to do it. But if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do this correctly. I've trained. I'm good. Everything. So at the halfway mark, I noticed that 
I'm several minutes behind pace. I'm running with my wife and I'm like, Hey honey, do you care if I go on on my own? I want to hit this number of which I've trained for. And she's like, sure, go ahead and do this. And one thing of note is that most races start early. Like when you're a runner, it's like, welcome to the 7 a.m. start time. And you got to get there at like six o'clock to get into your crowds and drop stuff off. So in DC at the time, it was actually cold. And this was in uh, end of October, first week of November, something like that. That sort of time frame it was the Marine Corps Marathon. And it was cold, but it was going to warm up a little bit during the day. So it was like before the race, it was like 27 degrees. And then throughout the course of the race, remember, we're running anywhere from four to five to six hours long. The sun came out, and it like jumped up to 50. So we went from being cold to it's like warm outside. So we're bundled up there. And when you run a marathon, just it's just hard no matter what you do. I trained for it. And at like mile 21, I'm not going to say I hit the wall, but I hit what you would consider the wall. And the exact thing that I remember is that at mile 21, I had an unregular step. Let's just call it that. You're in a regular flow, but then like you just sort of like hitching your giddy up and immediately my legs started to cramp. And I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. I'm like, this is what everybody's talking about. But I knew if you stopped, I was in some big time trouble because like, how are you going to stop your body from just seizing up? So I'm running through the pain. I'm like, listen, I'm a crazy person like that. I'll run through it. This will work itself out. This is what running a marathon is. I'm at 21. I got to get to 26.2. We'll make this happen. So with this, I end up making up the time and we're at like mile 25. And I'm like, crap, man, I'm in good shape. I have a three minute uh, buffer to get under the four hour mark. So I'm like, boom, I'm at mile 25 and a half. I can see the finish line and I wanted to finish strong. It's part of my mentality and my mindset. And I don't care what I'm doing. I always finish strong, whether it's a 45 minute workout class or I'm running a freaking marathon because when you're done with the race, you're done with the race. So I'm not going to walk. I could have walked and I still could have gotten it, but I wasn't. So my speed at the time, and I've got to watch or something, is I'm clocking in the low eights or high seven-minute miles for this last mile. I'm like, because remember, I'm hurting, hurting, yeah. Hang. Yeah. <laughs> my legs hurt. So I'm like, whoa, it's not going to be worse. So I'm trucking along until, uh, and this is at mile 25 and a half, until all of a sudden, I, as I learn, I wake up and I'm staring at the top of a medical tent and I'm completely naked and I'm fully submerged in a tub of freezing ice and there are medics completely around me and they're saying, Rob, stay with me. Rob, are you there? And I'm like, what the shit is going on right now? And quickly, you have to figure out what in the world is going on right here. And I learned that at 25 and a half, I passed out. And I don't know what happened between passed out and then, but 
I went down and they had to carry me off the course. And oh, by the way, uh, my entire family, my mom, my dad, I believe, I don't remember if my wife's family was there or not. There is a, there's a large contingent of people there to see the, uh, all of us finish this race. So I wake up and I quickly realize I'm about to die. And I'm sitting in this medical tent. And there's actually an article on vacant sports, which you can link to in the comments. And with this going on, my reality is like, just imagine the situation. You wake up and you're like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, they start asking me questions. Um, what city are you in? What's your name? Where are you from? They asked me what date it is. And I'm like, I wouldn't know that anyway. <laughs> Every day. I mean, I'm not sure everything's the same for me. Um, and I assume this is to see if my brain is working or not. Um, throughout all of this, they were always asking me for words of encouragement. Rob, how you doing? All of this. Um, so for me, I was listening for certain keywords. Good great, wonderful, like any shred of positivity for this. And one thing that I remember is someone said, uh, I believe it was the word, oh no, someone was wearing something that was blue. That's what it was. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, that's blue. And as crazy as that sounds, when you're about to die, and you realize something is the color blue, I was like, all right, I'm still alive. So throughout all of this, I truly believed if I blacked out and didn't stay awake, I was dead because I don't know what's going on. And remember, I'm completely naked, yeah. packed in ice, just packed in ice right there. So you know what I did? And this speaks to actually the first question that you asked me of where did your sports fandom come from? So this was on a Sunday morning and I play fantasy football. I bet on sports and I love the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've got a Steelers tattoo. And I was like, all right, if I can create a mantra in my head and say the same thing over and over again, I can continue to stay alive and stay awake. So I said, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan the Steelers are playing the Raiders. And I said that as many times as I could out loud because I didn't care what anybody thought of me at that moment. If I say I'm a Steelers fan, the Steelers are playing the Raiders as many times as possible, I'm staying alive. And after that, it sort of psyched me up. And then I started to say to myself, I'm a fighter, I'm gonna live. And like this just crazy person side of me got going and I've always prided myself on my mental strength, but it's weird when you're put in a life or death situation where all the chips are on the table and you're completely disoriented. No one's letting you know what in the world is going on. And this went on for 20 minutes. Oof. Oh my God. 20 which felt like 30 yeah. days oh my God, yeah. for me. And it's something that while all this went down, I never panicked and I was never scared during any of this because 
those emotions didn't serve me. It just didn't. The only thing on my mind at the time was stay alive to continue to extend what was going on. And oh, by the way, while all this is going on, my entire body is cramping. Not just like one calf. Imagine staying alive and then all of a sudden you're a mummy laying in a carsophagus or a tomb or something. And you're like, ah! because my body's in complete shock right now. And I never saw a white light or anything like that. I didn't see God or all of that. But what I do know is I went from being on the course, seeing the finish line to fighting for my life out of nowhere. And to, I mean, the best analogy I give of this is if your team is in a game seven of the Stanley cup finals or any playoff game, and there's like, three minutes left in the game and you're up by one and you're like, Oh my God, I can't even breathe right now. That was 20 minutes for me straight. And what ended up happening was I made it through it. Uh, I had a body temperature of 107 degrees and almost died on the course from heat exhaustion. And what ended up contributing to that we learned later on is one, we're wearing all the clothing and stuff. So it was hotter and then number two, before the race, uh, I had a cold that if I were to describe it on a percentage meter, it was a two out of 100, meaning it was gone except for a 2% sniffle. But here's the thing. I'm like, I'm about to run for four hours. I don't want a 2% sniffle. Let me pop a Sudafed. You know what the problem became, which we find out later on down the road, the Sudafed did not allow my body temperature to regulate. So traditionally, when someone passes out on the course from heat exhaustion, you put them in the ice bath, and within two or three minutes, boom, they're back to normal. Well, guess what? That Sudafed didn't allow that bad boy to go down. 20 minutes later, they're taking me in an ambulance to the hospital. So through all of that, even when they took me from the ice to the ambulance, I didn't know what was going to go on. Uh, I told my dad that I loved God and because my dad's very religious. Remember, it's crazy how all this comes back to the beginning of the story, but I told him that. So I wanted to reassure my dad. I was never worried that I was going to hell or anything like that. Like I was confident I was going to heaven. I told my wife that I loved her. Like these, these simple things right there. Um, and that was my story. That's it. it. This story is insane, man. And uh, I mean, again, I've heard it before. I've, I mean, I'm maybe not heard it. I know you've, you've told parts of it. Um, I've obviously read about it. You know, obviously I'm going to make sure to grab that link from you so we can link it. Uh, so everybody can hear, you know, your, your one-on-one -on -one thoughts with yourself about it. But this story is insane. And I mean, it's one of those, like everybody, not everybody, a lot of people when they end up becoming incredible, um, there's always a moment like that. And that that's, how I know you. I've known you since after that. So I don't know you before it. I'm sure you were just as fantastic in certain ways, but I know the person you are now and I, I can understand how that truly affected who you are and what you were going to do for the rest of your life because you didn't have a rest of your life for you know a significant period of time. There's a period of time when there was no rest of your life. Um, and if you wake up every day with that understanding that it can be taken away with as something as weird as taking a Sudafed, um, you know, why, why would you live any day without it 100 and i actually credit the who i was before this 
from a two-year standpoint. So I'd worked on my personal development and my mindset. So I'm extremely thankful that we're going to look at this in terms of two ways. One, when I quit my digital ad sales job to live my dreams of working in sports and starting bacon sports, went from multiple six figures to zero dollars. That moment right there was the game changer because I became a student of the game of personal development, habits, routines, success, mindsets, the most important people. So I was on that path, meditating and reading and doing that stuff. The principles that I share with you and the rest of the team at Bacon Sports. So I at least had two or three years of good in my brain and I was living my dream at the time. So I was at least mentally strong enough. But then since then, it's, it's a complete game changer. It's like the best, worst thing that could ever happen to you. I wouldn't wish a near-death experience on anyone. But after a near-death experience, it's impossible to not be a different person. And it's like, Rob, how does nothing bother you? How are you such a positive person? You want to know how? Sit in a nice bath naked fighting for your life for 20 minutes. Then we'll see how you feel when all of a sudden something doesn't go your way in your regular life. Yeah, I, that, that, that's probably, you know, again, uh, not too many things worse than that could possibly happen in my mind, especially because I'm cold all the time. So the ice bath part sounds ta- terrible. But, um, you know, the fact that you made it out and, and, you know, you credit your mental health and everything. So actually, you know, thank you for telling that story. It's obviously an incredible one and it means a lot to you. And hopefully it inspires some other people that hear it and and learn more about it. Um, Let's talk about that mental game. I know that's something that you instilled in me and that's something that I pay attention to every day. I think I've meditated, I don't know the exact number, but over, you know, the last 400 days in a row and I've seen some significant gains. Um, I read books, I, you know, pay attention to what we're doing, try and get up early. This morning was weird. That's a whole nother story, but, um, you know, try and get up in the morning so I can get a lot done so that by seven o'clock I've done more than most people will by 10 AM. And I, you know, that, that helps me and motivates me through the rest of the day. So let's talk about your mental game and, and keeping it right. And, and all the processes and structures that you put in your life to make sure that all those things go according to the way you'd like them to go. Yeah, it's, uh, I'll quote my Brandon coach, Gil Nevo, who two years ago taught me the quote, live by design, not by default. And you want to design the best version of yourself. What is the life that you want to create? Don't just be like everybody else and just go with the flow and not think about each of these different things. So I really think of myself like Neo in the Matrix. When he realizes that he can learn judo. He's like, oh my, he's like, whoa, I can learn judo. And all of a sudden he goes through the matrix. He's just learning all of this different stuff. So for me, it's how many different things that I can learn to become the best version of myself, to become the person that I want. Because on the journey that you and I, Mike, are both on from an entrepreneurial side of things and a freedom side and to build the dream life that we want, it's going to be nothing but a series of mountains and adversity. It's going to look nothing like a linear path. It's going to look like a freaking roller coaster. So because of this, we have to work on our own personal development because that is what is required to get to the level that we want to be. We're not going for an average life. We are going for the best version of the life that we want. And to get to that level, we've got to do things that other people are not willing to do. And quite frankly, the things that we do do are things that are going to serve us. So we stack positive habits to build momentum and to build confidence and to earn that confidence and to not have balance, but to have awareness of the yin and yang of heavy versus light. 
or uh, soft versus hard or busy versus empty. Like with meditation, you're like, well, why do you do it? It's actually the absence of thought that is good because we live in a world of nothing but thought and action. So the poles that you have there and your ability to use these levers in a variety of different situations so that all of a sudden when you are laid up about to die, you can say, oh my God, I can tap back into, in theory, breathing. One of the things that it could have done is, let me focus on my breath, focus on like things like this that you can always draw back to, to help you in any situation. I love it. It, it, it makes sense. And um, it was not something that I paid attention to before you and I started speaking. And I've seen significant gains in myself. Um, I've seen significant gains in the way I just look at the world around me and understand. And I, I completely agree. Um, I like that quote by Gil, live by design, not by default. There's so many people that just wake up, hate their job, hate their coffee, go to work, hate the traffic, go home, hate their, you know, love their family, but not be happy around them. I mean, what the heck's the point? Um, living for Fridays and Saturdays never made sense to me ever. Because, uh, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, there's seven days in a week. So why would you only live for two of them? I just never really understood that. And it's something that, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that we ended up uh, connecting. And uh, that's something that I've, you know, taken forward and ran with the last, I don't know, what has it been? Almost three or four years at this point that we've known each other. So it's been uh, a, a great friendship, a great mentorship. And I've, I've definitely taken a lot of what you have instilled in yourself. Um, and I, every day, try and get a little bit better at it myself. Well, and I'm glad to hear that. So thank you. And I love seeing the maturation of yourself. And I believe to be a good leader, you need to lead by example. So I'm never going to tell you anything. I'm not going to tell you to do something that I either am not currently doing or I haven't done. And I'm very pragmatic or candid about these things. It's here's what works for me. You can choose to do it or not. You don't have to. I don't expect anybody else to live the life that I want. I don't judge people for not living the life that I do because this is only about me. And this isn't selfish. This is what most people should do, like design your life. Of course, I have so much empathy and I care for so many other people. But first, like when you're on the airplane, put the oxygen mask on yourself before you help others. The exact same thing goes for personal development and success. You got to work on yourself before I can jump on a podcast with Mike and say, Mike, here's the things that I've learned. So you can go to your audience and say, here's the things that Rob has taught me that I can teach you. Exactly. I mean, if you don't, uh, do it yourself. If you don't pay attention to yourself first, if you, you're not going to be able to help people as well as you possibly could if you're not paying attention to yourself. You have to be the best you can be to then allow that to go through you and help as many other people around you. And I think you do an incredible job at that. Um, I do want to switch over. So I love the mental game. Obviously, something I work on, something I hope everybody else works on. Um, but obviously, we're here to talk about bacon sports a little bit, right? You know, we're, we're here, we're talking about sports. We're talking about bacon sports. You know, it's something that attracted me to you and what you did. And I, I, I saw it. I hated my job. And I was like, I, I saw it was it was no joke. It was somebody read somebody on my Twitter timeline just retweeted something that you had. And I was like, bacon sports. Huh, that's funny. So I clicked on it. And this was right around the time Snapchat was really starting to blow up. So then I, you're, that was one of your things. You're like, yo, follow me on Snapchat. So I followed you on Snapchat. Um, saw all the things you were doing. I loved it. I sent you a video. And I was like, hey, man. Um, you know, I really think I love what you're doing. Is there anything I can do to help? 
And that is uh, how our relationship started. And I'm very grateful that I took that chance. And I was kind of sad that day sitting on my bed thinking about how the hell am I going to do this for another 40 years? And um, all it took was a single message uh, to, to get it through. So, Yeah, it's, it's crazy how that works, that all anybody has to do is email me, shoot me a DM, shoot me a video, have me on their podcast. I'm willing to help virtually anyone. Doesn't mean I'm going to do everything for you, but I have so much content out there of things that I've done. Like I try and give as much as I can to put the positive vibes out there. And I remember the early days and I felt very proud of you when you went from the job that you hated to starting your own business. And oftentimes one of the questions that I may get asked or many entrepreneurs is like, tell me about the story of when you took the leap. And it was amazing for me to see you take the leap because most people aren't willing to take the leap. And also what most people don't realize is the leap is not the hard part. The hard part is everything else after the leap. Mm -hmm. The leap is what is required to unlock the rest of the thing. It's like, it's like the legend of Zelda or something. It's like, oh, now that we've gotten into the cave, it's like, congratulations, now you're in a new world. You're like, oh my goodness, I had to find all the bombs and use my Nintendo power. I'm totally aging myself here. You're perfect. I love it. You get, you get, the, you get the gist of it, but that's really what it is. So um, big kudos, kudos to you because it's something that is something that most people wouldn't do. One, they wouldn't hit me up. Two, they wouldn't stick with it and take action. And then three, get to the point where they said, you know what, I'm willing to do this and figure this out. And that's exactly what I did. And, you know, thank you um, again for just, I mean, helping me along that. I mean, it's it been a long time, as I said, three, four, I actually don't even remember when we first connected. I want to say it was like end of 15, middle of 16 somewhere, um, uh, 2016. And we've just, you know, we've had our weekly or biweekly phone calls ever since. Um, and that's just a great way to stay in contact and keep doing what we're doing. So I always appreciate that. So bacon sports, it's had a couple different, I don't want to say iterations. It's kind of, it's, it's been the same thing while kind of making sure it was always changing with the time. So tell me this specific, what you see, what is bacon sports? Bacon sports is, the manifestation of my dreams and building the world in my image that often the world wants to put you into a box, but the journey of entrepreneurship is unboxed started as an original sports comedy blog. We created thousands of articles, videos, podcasts, and content. And then we got so good at it that we decided, Hey, let's start doing those exact same things for brands to help them market to sports fans because what are we great at? Sports fan engagement. Why? Because we know how to engage sports fans. And that sort of has been the core of it. But so often people want to try and say like, but Rob, what is this? And when I looked at the agency world, I never understood why an agency would take all of your money, but they're not producing their own podcasts and videos for their own brand. Like, why would you, if you're great at this, why would you not do this for their own brand? So Bacon Sports is one part sports fan community. So when you look at our Facebook page that we do so much fan engagement on there because it speaks to who we are. We love sports fans. 
and we love engaging with them and we can do them on such a different level than any other brand. And why was that? Because when we looked at the brand marketing world, we were like, huh, how are brands marketing to us? And I was like, their content sucks. All of it was buy what I'm selling, buy what I'm selling. And I'm like, that is not how marketing is evolving because right now, virtually all products and services are commodities. You can go on Amazon or find something from anyone anywhere. So now you've got to give brands a reason to want to care from you and or care to hear back mm -hmm. from you. So now engagement is important. And the next level of this is how do you build a community around insert whatever your product or service does? Well, guess who's already built a product or service around what we do? Bacon sports. So we've got one part sports fan community, one part, what looks like an agency. We didn't set out to create an agency. It just so happens that the services of what we do is an agency. But guess what? That's not good enough because on this journey of how I've done things, people say, Rob, how do I XXX? How do I start a podcast? How do I do social media marketing? How do I throw an event? How do I get better at what I do? Well, sometimes you answer something a million times before you're like, shit, maybe I should just create an online course that teaches people how to create a podcast, how to write a social media strategy. So then we started to get into online education and teaching people how to do these things, people or brands. Well, how does this all fit into the world of bacon sports? Well, it's actually quite simple because we wanted to create a variety of tiers for how someone could work with us. So all the way down to you, Mike, who says, I would love to learn to launch a podcast. And you went through, you took the knowledge that we gave. Welcome to the podcast we're talking about right now. But you might not have at the time had a couple of thousand dollars to be able to work with me one-on-one -on -one to launch your podcast and say, hey, let's create this story. But guess what? Brands can do that. They can hire us directly to help them with that. But wait, there's more. But Rob, we don't have anybody to host our podcast. Do you know anyone who likes to talk about sports or betting or marketing or technology or entrepreneurship? And I'm like, you know what? I actually do because I've created over 500 podcast episodes. So guess who is also the host of a podcast? This guy, three of them. So through all of this, now we've got the personal development side of things. And you know where Bacon Sports is going next? We're building out a digital university. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to teach people the exact same stuff that I taught you, Mike. And yep. why is that? Because after this podcast, they would love to have the ability to say, man, I would love to know how Mike and Rob got down and what Rob taught Mike. Well, guess what? We're going to break that down into a micro basis. So you say, how do you meditate? How do you visualize? All the way down to what do you do when something negative happens in your life and you want to keep building momentum? How do you in a wide variety of things, habits, routines, success mindset, uh, personal development, entrepreneurship, building the world in your image, high performance. So that's the world we're building. And now imagine each one of those levers continually growing up. So when we land agency clients and personal development clients and building a sports fan community at the same time, guess what can happen? Some amazing stuff. I love it, man. And the energy too. The energy helps uh, when, when you're explaining it because you can, you can feel it. 
right? Like it's, I can hear what you're saying, but I can also feel what you're saying. Obviously I've been on this journey with you for a little while now and I, I truly believe in everything you're doing. And it's, it's so funny how we did some stuff three, four years ago that always comes back around and it's like, Oh, Hey, we're using that thing that's dated, you know, November of 2017. And we need that now because we did it. And it's always very interesting to me how you're always making sure to come back on it. I think, as you said, creating over 500 podcasts, well, now people are paying you to host their podcasts. Some pretty cool ones too. And I know you've spoken with some interesting people like Kevin Millar, just off the top of my head and uh, uh, Stanford Steve, like you're doing some really cool things for your other clients, but still running the sports community. And I always really loved when you made the connection. Well, why would agencies get paid to do something that they don't do for themselves? That doesn't make any sense. And you already did it. You've made thousands, as you said, of videos, articles, uh, anything podcast that you can think of. So just pay us, we'll do it for you, or we can teach you how to do it. Or, you know, we'll give you the resources to teach yourself how to do it. So in all these levels, it all makes sense. And it's all been building from the ground up. And I just, I love what you're doing. And you know, I'm happy to be on this ride with you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been a blast having you part of it. It's been pretty fun. And we got some pretty cool people on the team as well. And I hope to get them on this tier too, uh, because why not? Let's talk about more bacon sports with them, with Tom, with Dawn, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of cool people. I had Jack Settlement on. He was the first episode of this. So that was cool. Jack was a part of bacon sports for a minute back in the day. So that was, uh, that was pretty darn cool too. So what is, what is the vision of bacon sports? I mean, you kind of just described it, but like, I know you have a bigger vision than, you know, pulling some levers and, and making those things go up. So where, where are you taking this thing to as, as Barstool would say, they take it to the moon and now they're worth $450 million. Uh, you know, I, I will cross my fingers that you, you, you absolutely make it to $450 million, but what do you got to do to get there? Execute, build out a team and continue to help people. So what excites me so much seeing the Barstool news is the path for Barstool was a circuitous one. It like, if you were to go five years ago, 10 years ago, did Barstool look like a $450 million company? No. No. But guess what they were good at? Fan engagement and community building. What are the fundamentals of bacon sports fan engagement and community building? It doesn't mean we're building on the publisher model. That's what Barstool did. And that's one of the unique things about them is the fact that they were able to be one of the last ones to make the publisher model work. You know, it has my eye right now, huh? They got bought by a sports gambling brand. It just so happens. One of the two of us on this podcast is the host of a twice a week sports betting podcast called the sharp 600 on covers.com. And it just so happens with this same mindset, it's like, huh, is there such thing as an ad agency for brands that want to talk to sports betters? Because the last time I looked agencies can say they speak sports, but guess what? They don't speak sports betting. Boom. But wait, there's more. There's more. Because everything that I'm about to say, I very much respect the growth of what Barstool does. And irregardless of what I or you think about their content, I'm a student of the game. And I respect how they've been able to grow the brand. But guess what is an opportunity they have not taken advantage of that we are? And that's helping people. And you know how? Because 
imagine if they had a personal development university that said, we're going to teach you all the skill sets to be successful in life. And oh, by the way, if you get through this digital university, maybe you're going to be first in line to work for us, to partner with us, or to be an investor with us, or to introduce people to us. So all of a sudden, what we're going to do is build an army of people that we're going to help at the same time. And that creates loyalty, that creates even more engagement, and that creates people spreading and amplifying your brand as far and wide as they can. So I think uh, you're a smart guy, and, and again, I love... Uh, I love hanging out and just, you know, spending some time with you on a, on a weekly by weekly basis and getting to chop it up and learn a little bit more. And today we, it was a little bit longer than normal, but it was still a lot of fun. Um, Rob, I mean, that's, that's about it for me. I'll have you on again. Cause I'm sure there's a lot more things we could talk about, but for right now, Rob Cressy of Bacon Sports, really appreciate your time today, man. Thanks Mike. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and all the episodes of for the love of sports. Um, on a personal note, I would really like to say thank you and, and sincerely, sincerely mean that. This is the actual favorite thing that I get to do. Just talk to incredible people, have great conversations, and I learn, and hopefully you're learning something, and hopefully we can laugh along the way. So if you could, please give this a five-star review. If you could, please share this. Um, subscribe to it. Do whatever you have to do. The more people that do that, the more these stories and these conversations get out, and I'm really hoping that one day, um, one day soon, this will be something that I get to do as a full-time job um, on top of my other full-time job, of course. But this is an absolute blast. Sincerely appreciate it. Check the show notes for all social media handles. Anything that came from the episode, we'll have everything down there. And I hope you really did enjoy it. So if there's anything I can do better, please make sure to reach out. Uh, my email address, michaelperiodrazeal1 at gmail. Please make sure to check me out on LinkedIn, uh, on Instagram, and, and just reach out because I'm willing to answer any questions. And hey, if you got a cool story, I'd love to have you on as well. So thank you so much. Sincerely appreciate it. And I hope you make it a wonderful day.